Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Verse 5, listen what it says of Psalm 68. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God. (laughs) This is God. The father to the fatherless, the defender to the widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places lonely people in families. Some of you might be here today and you don't know yet what it is to be in a family. Can I, I, I really believe this, that we are all, as we've been talking and we're going to continue in this, this theme, we are all affected by brokenness in our lives. But I think what the body of Christ is, the body of Christ is brought together to teach us how to be a real family. Amen. Nothing against our earthly family. I thank God for my brother, my sister, my mom, and my dad. I thank God. But there's something in the body of Christ that as we come together in Christ, we are learning how to become a family. Some of you, you don't feel like you fit in your earthly family, but God has said he's made a place for you in this family. He's putting lonely people in families. And, and this is not just a having a mother and a father and, and brother and sister. We're not talking, he's not talking about that family. He's, he's talking about the body of Christ, that he brings people. Remember, he's saying that whose dwelling is holy, God places lonely people or the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. If you are free this morning, why don't you just tell him thank you? Why don't you let the redeemed of the Lord say so? If you are free, we are free indeed in Jesus' name. God, thank you this morning for the word. God, I thank you for your spirit that is working. Lord, your spirit is doing what we cannot do in our songs and in our sermons. But Father, it's what your spirit does. So Holy Spirit, do your work today. Thank you, God, that you use this, what what would be foolishness of, of, of preaching. But God, you use these things today. But God, we know, Lord, that a message can't change a life. God, we know that a song can't change a life. But God, it can create an atmosphere for the Spirit of the Lord to work. And God, if we enter in, if we enter into your Spirit, into into that place that you've made for us, that God, we're made new and transformed. So Holy Spirit, do that today. God, I pray you would set captives free. Let there be freedom. God, let there be relief today. God, let the pressure be lifted off today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 If you're thankful one more time for the presence of God, why don't you just give him thanks on your way to being seated this morning, if you're grateful for the presence of God. Well, thank you. You may be seated. We're continuing this series, Get a, get a Handle on It, and uh, we're going to continue in this, and, and uh, I believe this morning that God is going to set captives free, that He is bringing liberty to the captives. We have been looking over the last couple of weeks and addressing some things in our lives that need to be set in order, that we need to get a handle on, and uh, we've been knocking on some doors, and maybe we showed up at your door. Uh, maybe we showed up at some places of your life where you live, and, and some areas that you've been in. Uh, we, we've been looking over the last couple of weeks, we're going to continue that today as we bring this to a close, uh, on, on looking at just what we've been, been identifying is just some 
uh, impaired conditions, just brokenness that we've been taught in life and it's been, been, uh, been passed on to us. Uh, we, we knocked on the door of some people who are avoiders. Are there any avoiders in the house? People who are, who've, uh, we got a couple folks that are uh, not avoiding raising their hand, but being honest that what we're saying to avoiders, we knock on the door and say, hey, we, we need to learn how to deal with uh, deal with our weaknesses, and, and what we tend to do is we, uh, we tend to not be needy or, or not have any needs because needs associate with weakness, but the scriptures make it clear that in our weakness is when his strength is made perfect. Uh, we need one another. Do you know that? Just tell that person beside you, say, I need you. I need you in my life. I need, I need, I need relationship. There's, we need one another. God has designed us that way. We've not been created to be uh, islands unto ourselves. He created us to have relationship with one another. And so we have to learn how to deal with our, our need and, and having the, the need or addressing our weakness. We knocked on the door of some uh, people that we call pleasers, people pleasers. Are there any people pleasers that we knocked on your door? Uh, is there anybody here this morning? I'm two in and I don't know if any, like, I know what you're doing. You're like, I'm healed. I'm no longer like that. Well, then bless the Lord. That's great. Bless the Lord. We knocked on the door of some people pleasers saying, hey, if you're inside there, you, we need to learn how to deal uh, with the tension or the fear of tension. And sometimes our fear of tension causes us to, to just absorb and, and we try to, to, try to please. And, and it's really a rooted in fear. And uh, perfect love casts out fear. Amen? That when we walk with God, that we can process the disappointments and things in life. And, and we can't fix it. Uh, we can't fix it, but we know the one who is able to work all things out for his glory. Uh, we knocked on the door of some perfectionists. Are there any perfectionists that are... Here, yeah, you, we, we knocked on my door, on the, the door of saying, hey, uh, we've got to learn how, how to have, uh, uh, to deal with our unrealistic expectations sometimes, that, that sometimes we can live in the, the distance of everything good, everything bad, but learning how to live in the middle uh, of what God is doing. It's not a place of settling, it's a place of transition, that God is not finished, that wherever we're in, he's still working, even when it feels like things are falling apart, God is still at work. Aren't you glad to know that today? That even when things feel like they're, they're, they're coming apart, that God in his grace and his mercy is still working. And, and so for us, we have to learn how to deal with uh, the unrealistic expectations sometimes. Uh, we also talked, and last week, knocked on the door of controllers. And uh, those uh, individuals who, unfortunately, the only emotion that they really know is anger. And anger controls their lives. And we talked about the importance of, of waving the white flag of not just surrender. It's not just surrendering to the one who is greater than you. It's surrendering to the one who is greater than the pain that's inside of you. And uh, some people who are controllers don't know how to grieve. But the Bible says that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And to know the comfort of God is to, is to allow that mourning process. And, and uh, we talked about uh, controllers. This week we're going to talk about the last door, the final door that we're knocking on. And then next week we're going to conclude it with talking about how do we grow in security. Uh, this is God's desire for us that we would not have insecurity but security. What does that look like in a believer's life? And so next week we're going to wrap up with what does it look like to be secure in Christ? How do we have our security? What does that, what, what does that look like? But this morning... We're going to wrap up just this last uh, door that we, or, that we might need to get a handle on. And the handle is this, of victims. Like, vic, like controllers, victims are created in an atmosphere of chaos. It, it's, it's the world of chaos and dysfunction that, that the home life, maybe for you, and we've, we've been saying this over the last couple of weeks, we're not looking to dig up the past, but we have to deal with the baggage that we brought with us from the past. 
Uh, and there are things we have to leave in the past, but there's some stuff we haven't left in the past, and it's following us. And for those that are controllers and victims, they've, they've been affected and conditioned by a home of dysfunction and such chaos. And that chaos has, has been uh, maybe in, uh, in, in fatherless homes, homes of addiction, uh, homes of, 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 uh, of, of, ho- of strong depression, whatever that might be, but, but just a, a home of chaos where there's not been effective nurturing and effective care. And these are folks that have become victims, and victims, like controllers, are created in chaos, but they're unlike controllers in that they're pushed to a far extreme. Controllers in chaos are pushed to anger. Their way of handling and not feeling the pain anymore is to go to anger. And so all they know is anger. So they become controlling because they want to control this environment so that they don't have to feel the pain of the environment of chaos that they grew up in. And so anger becomes what they're prone to. And so those who are controllers need to learn how to deal with their anger. But we talk about victims who are created in the same home of chaos, but they're pushed to the other side. Their feeling and emotion is not anger. Unfortunately, their feeling and emotion is guilt and hopelessness. These are people who who are victims that really carry, they're pushed to a side of feeling like things are hopeless, that there's such disappointment that it will always be this way, that I'm just a victim of my condition, my circumstances. I'm in a place that cannot change. I'm in a place of vulnerability. I want to talk to those that would maybe represent, but all of us kind of going to this place today. Like all the other conditions uh, that we've talked about, they've all been passed down. It's not something that we have, we have uh, uh, done in and of ourselves. We've learned it. You've learned how to love from people who are broken. They've done their best, but every one of us have been affected by brokenness around us. That's why we need the love of God. We need to receive our love not from, not from a horizontal love, but a vertical love because we will not know horizontal love until we're first rooted and grounded in the vertical love that comes from Christ, that we know who we are in Christ. We're going to talk about what that is next week about being secure. But all of us have to recognize that, that there's things that we, we have to process and have to, have to understand and come to a recognition. And for those that are victims, it's the same way, that there's a way of thinking. The Bible makes it clear in Romans that we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. You were born into a pattern, and you were taught a pattern, and you picked up a pattern. How many know you picked up patterns along the way? You, you've picked up the pattern of your people-pleasing. It was a pattern that you picked up and developed, your pattern of avoiding conflict and avoiding necessary conversations. You picked up a pattern. You picked up a pattern of of being a perfectionist, of having high standards and and, and letting that try to be a way of earning love and having everything approachable. And you've developed a pattern, the same with controllers and, and those that are victims. But the Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need a new way of thinking. But I want to look at victims and those who have a way of thinking. Some of you might be represented in this category to some level or another. Some of you, this is foreign to us and we don't understand the life of a victim. We don't understand how they think. But let me take you a little bit into the mind. Not because I want to take you to a depressing place, but because I want you to see today that what it is sometimes to be in this place of being overwhelmed. That where the feeling is much like guilt and hopelessness. Here's what needs to be changed in the mind of a victim. Oftentimes the, the mind of a victim is this, that they live in denial because reality is too painful to exist in. 
The reality hurts so much, so they've learned to deny. They, they've learned to live in denial that it's really not that bad. They learn to, to just cope and, and just deal with things as they are. Survival depends on distorted reality, and therefore they minimize the insanity and they normalize the intolerable circumstances. They minimize the insanity that it's not that bad, it's not that big of a deal because they're denying and they're just trying to get by because unfortunately for them, Chaos is better than being alone. The chaos of what they know, they, they really just become so accustomed and so used to the chaos that they don't really know how to live without it. It's so normal in their life that they would, uh, they would just choose to stay in chaos as opposed to being alone because they feel as if they would be alone to leave the chaos. They feel a low self-worth. They feel as if they're low self-worth and they carry a blame for having been taken advantage of. They feel so low about themselves in that when they're taken advantage of, when they're blamed, they absorb that and everything feels like their fault. If only they could do better. If only they weren't so horrible. If only they weren't so bad, then they wouldn't be abused. They wouldn't be, be, be put in a, in a harmful condition, a harmful place. That they feel such self, a low self-worth as if they deserve the punishment that they're taking. Now, I realize this is an extreme to talk about ultimate uh, a place of abuse, whether it be sexual whether it be emotional, physical, whatever type of abuse, I realize that can be an extreme. But I want us to see today that we recognize that there, is, there are folks that are conditioned and living in this place of perpetual chaos. The other thing that's in their mind is that they have to keep everything a secret and they have to be so secretive that they have to be good at pretending. And if they fail at pretending... The problem with failing at pretending is then that they open themselves up to deserve more abuse or more punishment. That if they're not good at keeping a secret, if they're not good at holding the, the pretend and keeping it all together, then it will only cause them to deserve more punishment. Their feelings, unfortunately, really don't matter. Their feelings don't matter. The only thing that matters is the people who are controlling them or the circumstances around them, they really don't matter. And since their feelings don't matter, they really don't have feelings. They end up like avoiders and people pleasers in that they try to just get rid of the feelings because their way of handling it is that they've learned to just become so numb. Controllers and victims are in a world of chaos. Controllers turn into anger and victims turn into numbness. And how many know that when you put a controller and a victim together, it just becomes a perpetual world of chaos. And unfortunately, there's a lot of that around us. There's a, this pattern that gets caught up in that these people that are, that are victims, they are the most vulnerable people among us. They are the fatherless children. They are the widows without a defender. They are the most vulnerable. The scripture saying here that we just read in the psalmist writing He's saying, here is who God is. God is a father to those who don't have a father, and he's a defender to those who are widows. He's saying here that God is for the most vulnerable among us. Those who are without fathers and those who are widows in the culture are the most vulnerable people of their day. Now, we have some systems and things in place to, to try and help, but, but we're pointing to the fact that there are vulnerable people who, who live among us and who are around us, and maybe some that are here today that are caught up in the cycle. And the unfortunate thing is that in victims, 
they allow themselves to just get caught up and put into difficult situations because in all honesty, they don't know any better and there just becomes a perpetual cycle of just chaos producing more chaos and producing more chaos. That we become in a cycle of the dysfunction and the things that are around us and here's the ultimate hardship that victims are trapped and vulnerable. That they are vulnerable, they're, they're weakened because they, they have not much resource or defense or help and they're trapped because it's hard for them to find a place of escape that you have a victim trapped by circumstances trapped by by situations and things that are around and and of course the the fatherless and the widow are those who are trapped by shame but God makes it a point here he says This is God who is a father to the fatherless and a defender of the widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy or who dwells in a holy place. That there are are those who are indeed caught up in in the epidemics and the things of their environment. I know this morning, I'm going to go a little deep today of talking about the the disappointment, the frustration, and the chaos that's around us. Not because we're going to neglect the good news, because there's nothing better. I don't want to focus on it, but I think it's good for us to go today, because there's some people here that may be in a situation of a victim. You're, You're affected by your circumstances. There's chaos that's around you. You feel trapped and you feel unable to bring hope or to allow any hope to come in. You might feel like that's you. And if it's not you, we're going there together today because if that is you and you feel trapped, we want you to know we're going there together because we don't want you to stay in that place that is trapped. That I want you to see what it is sometimes in the life of people who are hurting, those who are vulnerable, those who are broken. And I think it's so important because if we're going to get serious about doing something about the issues and the epidemics around us, then we're going going to have to step into the world of people's lives who are broken, who are hurting, who are, who we would look and say are messed up, who have issues, who have disappointments. But here's the fact. We all live behind doors that we've got to get a handle on. We all have issues and things that need to be addressed and need to be brought to the forefront. But sometimes we can look at people who are victims and see as if they got what came to them or what they deserve. We can carefully, or sometimes if we're not careful, just separate ourselves and feel as if, well, that's their fault for staying there. But there are circumstances and situations that they really cannot help. There's no resource. There's no help. Now, I want you to see both parts of this. That in order for a victim to get help, number one, they have to receive the help. But in order for them to receive the help, someone has to be reaching out to them. So we're going here together because some of you, on either hand, we all need to reach out. I don't know where you are. If you're the victim, then you need to reach out for someone to help you. If you're not the victim, then you need to reach out to help someone who is. I don't care where we are, but we're coming to this place together because we're saying, by God's grace and for the kingdom of God, we're all going to reach out. There's no one able, if we're followers of Christ, and if we're going to see healing, and if we're going to see the work of God and the kingdom of God expand in our world, hands in the pocket don't count. You cannot keep your hands in the pocket and call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and believe God to do something great and keep your hands where we're not reaching out, where we're not making effort, where we're not coming into a world to reach people that are broken. You see, we know chaos way too well. Just today, as I'm on my way to church, my phone makes the sound of, I've got a message. I stop at a traffic or at a stop sign in my neighborhood and I pull out the phone and I look at it. And here's the message. Please pray for a friend of mine's family. 
She's been struggling with heroin. This morning they found her dead. I'm sick of hearing more stories that we're just so prone and we know. We are in a place where addiction is robbing the future of our, of our community. We're living in a place where fatherless homes are robbing the love and the nurture of our children. We're in a place where poverty, the mindset of poverty is taking away the value and the self-worth of who we are. We live in a place of brokenness, not because we live in Fayette County, but because we live in a broken world. But this is our home. This is our county. And by God's grace, we want to do something about the epidemic that's coming against this county. We're saying by God's grace, let us do something about the circumstance and the situation because I'm tired of hearing about how broken and it becomes so normal that we hear the stories of the heroin, of the issues, of the difficult, the dysfunction, the depression, the suicide. I realize that there are people who are hurting. We know that there are people broken. We know that there are people hurting. The question is, what is it that we're doing and being a part of? Are we stepping into this world? Because we need to see God get a handle on this. We need to get a handle on it. And this is our ultimate prayer. God, would you break the cycle of chaos that is so rampant and so so much a part of our culture and our world. We need a breakthrough and we need a work of the Holy Spirit to break the cycle of sin and addiction and brokenness. It will only happen by the grace of God. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Because I don't know what your chaos is today. I know we're all going into this place of chaos. We're going into the cave. It's a dark cave. It's chaotic. It's, it's, It's not a comfortable place. But some people live there. For some people, this is their existence. For some people, this is all they've ever known. Chaos. If you live there, And by God's grace, we pray you don't stay there. But may we at least visit there today and allow our hands to be stretched out to bring help. I do want to say that for those who are victims and those who are hurting, unfortunately, there are some people that they are victims, but really instead of of really getting help, they just want people to make them comfortable in in their condition. That... It really takes, in order for for life change and and those circumstances, whatever they are around, whether it be addiction, whether it be whatever the chaotic circumstance, that you have to allow yourself to be taken from the place you are and brought to a place of wholeness. Because unfortunately, what we do too often try to do is to just bring resources right to the place and just leave them right where they are and leave them in their place of brokenness. I don't know what kind of chaos you live in, but listen, or what might surround you, but we know we live in a world that has some chaos. Listen what Jesus finds in Mark chapter 5. He just preaches, and he does ministry on the other side of the, uh, of the, uh, the, the lake. He gets in the boat and says, let's go to the other side. He calms the storm, does all the stuff Jesus does. It's just another day in the life of Jesus. He gets to the other side, and here's what he finds, beginning of Mark 5. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the garrisons. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with chains. Notice the issue. 
he's no longer able to be restrained. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as often as he was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. You catch this? No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves. And in the house, or in the hills, he would howl and cut himself with sharp stones. How many, how many see this as chaos? This is chaos. The dude is running around naked among dead people, cutting himself and howling. That's chaos. I don't know if your level of chaos is still, you're here today and you still got your clothes on. That's good. You're not that chaotic. You're, you're, not, you're not howling at whatever. I, I don't know what level of your chaos, but there's some here today you've allowed yourself to be taken advantage of. You've allowed yourself to just be caught up in the norm and hang out with the dead things of addiction and the dead things of brokenness. You've allowed yourself to harm, to bring harm to yourself. How is it that we can cut ourselves, hurt ourselves, play, stay in a place of dead? Is it that we desire to be there? Absolutely not. And notice, no one could subdue him. But when the man saw Jesus at a distance, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. Notice this. The man they could not subdue is now bowing at the feet of Jesus, who all he did was show up. That's all he did was show up. He didn't come and say, oh, I got bigger chains than the ones you've had. He didn't come and say, I've got, I've got ropes that are tested. I've got things that are better. I'll really tie you up. No, because they were trying to tie up what didn't need tied up. It needed set free. You're sometimes bringing a remedy, and we're trying to just keep things under control. And if we can put it tolerated. And here's what I believe the Lord wants me to say to someone today. Your chaos might not be running around naked in a graveyard howling at the moon. That might not be your chaos, but the Holy Spirit is saying to you today, your chaos is that you've tolerated some things in your house and in your spirit that God says, I did not call for you. I did not want of you. You are allowing chaos to be tolerated, and it's pressing your ability to know my presence, to know my voice, and to know my spirit in your life. We're tolerating a level of chaos that it just becomes something that we tolerate. A person who is a victim becomes so numb Because they just tolerate the pressure and the restraint. And how many know if you put pressure on something long enough, you'll soon lose feeling? That we are in a place, and here's what he says. He says the man came. The Bible says that the man came, and the one they could not tie down or subdue is now bowing at the feet of Jesus, who all he did was just show up. I want to say to somebody, I think if Jesus just shows up in our lives, if we just show up with Jesus in our workplaces, if we just show up with Jesus in our communities, in our home, if we just love like Jesus, live like Jesus, the presence of God is greater than whatever situation and chaos that is in your world, it will bow at the feet of Jesus Christ. But here's what we try to do. We try to subdue it. How much chaos have you allowed in your life that you've tried to control and it's manageable chaos? Listen, I know the extreme chaos is the naked man running around the graveyard, cutting himself and howling at the moon. And we can easily look at it. My life's not that bad, thank God. I still got my clothes on. I'm still, you know, I'm still, I'm still norm and, normal and, 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 and sane. But is there a level that you've tolerated of chaos that God says you've allowed a compression to hit that now you've no longer, you've lost the sensitivity to my spirit? 
you've lost the sensitivity to my working. You now need something to stir you up. And, and listen, like people who live in a world of chaos, they're only used to chaos that when it's normal, they don't know how to react because they need the tension to survive. I'm going to go deep for a little bit. Everybody take a deep breath and get ready for this. Listen to me. Listen. People who live in chaos need chaos to survive. You follow me? They become so addicted to the chaos and the adrenaline and the tension that they need that. We would say it like this way. Well, she's just a drama queen. You know, people who like, they just, all right, don't, I didn't mean that for you to have someone in your mind right now because I don't want you to think about anybody else. I want you to think about you. I want you to think about what you are doing. That there are people who live in such tension that they can't exist without that chaos, all right? There are some Christians who are so tense in their spiritual things that they can't live without the oohs and the ahs and the eebie-jeebies and the, they don't know how to live in the confidence and the peace and the presence of God. They live in the tension, in the hypertension. And here's the thing. Sometimes we've just traded one tension for another. We've sometimes just traded one tension for another. God did not come to be your replacement. He came to be your redeemer, to make you new. He didn't come to replace your addiction. He came to make you a new life so that you could know in him you have all you need. You won't need any more of the oohs and the ahs and the I gotta have and I gotta get. It's the I'm satisfied. His presence is enough. I know his spirit. I can sit in the peace and the presence of God. He is all that I need. I don't need another song. I don't need another sermon. But if you wanna sing, I'll sing with you. If you wanna preach, I'll say amen with you, because I don't need anything more. I'm made complete in Christ. I am whole. We're going to talk about being secure and healed and whole next week, but that is the place that God wants us to be, and I believe a starting point is we've got to address the chaos that we are tolerating in our life. What is the chaos? You're tolerating. You're tolerating the way that you talk to someone, the way you think about someone. You're tolerating, well, it's what they deserve. You see, because I don't know if you're the person that is a victim reaching out or if you're the person who's reaching out to help somebody, but we're all part of this chaos because I don't need to tell you Fayette County has some chaos. But can I also tell you, before I tell you that, this is one of the most beautiful places in all of the earth. The mountains, the waterfalls, the people of generosity, the place of opportunity and just beauty that surrounds us, there is no, I'm telling you, listen, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, and I love cows, but come on, they're just so flat, and you just see enough cows. I mean, at some point, it's beautiful to see the hills and to see the creation, to see the beauty. I love reaching points around this county. There are places that I love to drive, and when it's the right time of day and I have time, I make sure that I just pull over to take in the beauty of what I'm looking over and what I'm seeing. And to say, God, what a blessing and a privilege to be here. What an opportunity. And you know what else? But I also know there's the epidemic of heroin that is stealing lives. It's also the epidemic of drug or or families that are in dysfunction and disarray and conflict. There's issues of mental health that plague. And can I tell you where that's all created? Chaos chaos. A child growing up in chaos that lives in a home that doesn't have steady love and nurture is almost like, a, like a, an animal being mistreated, stabbed, and prodded 
and expected. How many know that you just stir anger and difficulty? And there is such a... Listen, some of you know what it's like to grow up in such chaos and disappointment. And there's a reason why our minds become so unhealthy. I don't want to get too deep, but there are spiritual strongholds that we wrestle against. And I believe that we've got to be people who quit tolerating the chaos that the devil has just caused us to pull up a seat and just live with. I don't know what your chaos is because we all contribute to it. You see, because there's three parties or three people, three, three different parties to the world of chaos. There's the controller who causes chaos. And if that's you, by God's grace, turn your life over to Jesus Christ and let him bring hope and peace and let him bring healing. That's not condemnation. Listen, you've been brought up. Maybe you, your, your heart and your, your home was chaotic and God wants to cause you to grieve. But there's three parties. One is the cr- controller causing the chaos. The other is the victim who is trapped in chaos. And the third one is the onlooker who judges the chaos. Do you know what we can be good at? We can be good at saying, well, it's their fault they're there. If they would just get out of it. The Bible says in Matthew 25 that the Bible, Jesus tells us, for as much as you've done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. When you fed the hungry, when you've clothed the naked, when you give drink to the thirsty, when you visit the sick and those in prison, and they said to him, Lord, when have we done that? Every time you've done it to the least of these, to the most vulnerable among you, when you have done it unto them. You've done it unto me. And we've got to look at this today and recognize that in this world of chaos that we live in, we're either going to be, we play some role, but what is it that we will do to be a part of it? Because the devil's goal is for us to just become numb, to be at a place of where we're just numb to what it is that's around us, to the things that affect us, and we just allow it to go on and go on and go on. When uh, my kids were little, we'd go to Arford Park to go hang out. That was our favorite park, and now we go there to play tennis, or pretend to play tennis, really, but we still have fun. But we'd get on the merry-go-round, and I'd start spinning them, and, and they, were, they were younger, and, and it was the joy of, Dad, go as fast as you can. Well, uh, Dad went as fast as he could, and I put all my weight behind it, and that's a lot. And so it would just take off, and then all of a sudden, as it would spin, they would start in the middle, but because of that merry-go-round, they would soon lose control and start trying to hold on. How many see the picture? Now they're spinning to the side. Dad, Dad, stop it, stop it. They weren't crying out of abuse. They they weren't crying out of neglect. They're crying out of, this was okay. It was okay for for a moment, but now it's out of control. And I'm in that place, and I remember that we'd get that spinning, and and I'd have to hurry up and stop it before they'd go swinging off the, the side. And And I would go in to stop the thing, but how many know that when that's spinning, And it's designed in such a way to to build momentum. When that thing is spinning, there was nothing in me that was able to just halt and stop the thing. In fact, I'd put my arm out and my arm would swing away. But every time I'd do that, it would slow it down a little more. I didn't have the power to stop it, but I put my hand out and said, I'm here to do something about it. Only God can put into order the stuff that's falling out of control, but we're supposed to be people that put a hand out to help stop, that help step in, that help give input, that we can help stop some of the chaos. I can't fix you. 
I can't put your life together. If you think the church can give you enough money to put your life together, that's not what will fix your problem. Only Jesus can fix your problem. I can't deliver you of drugs and alcohol. I can't make your marriage work. I can't do anything for you. But there is a God that I want you to know, hey, if you take my hand, I'll pull you up. I'll help you come to the one who's able to restore you. I'll bring you to a place. I want to ask the worship team to come and help us close this morning. I want you to hear this. You don't need to write anything else down this morning. If you're taking notes, I don't even know what you wrote down. I don't know what you're, you might be writing. I don't know what you're writing, but I know what I'm preaching. I don't know what, 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 I don't know what you're hearing, but man, I know what the Spirit of the Lord has told me to say today. And the Lord wants you to know today you're tolerating chaos, and it has now pressed on your nerves and has caused you to lose sensation. You see, a person who lives in chaos, the only way they know how to deal with chaos, and if they become a victim, a victim deals with chaos by becoming so numb. So numb that they can't feel it. That's how they deal with it. They just become numb. I read a story of an 18-month-old baby that the mother had put her in her playpen and just spent some time to go make lunch and the 18-month is occupying herself in the playpen and when the mother comes back, she notices that the little girl is like finger painting on the wall and on things and the mother's thinking, where in the world did she get finger paint? I didn't give her finger paint. But when the mother looks closer in horror, the mother realizes that this 18-month-old baby had bit off the end of her finger and was using the blood to write and just smear. The mother thought, what is wrong with my child? Of course, went to the doctors, and the doctors said she has a rare condition of congenital indifference to pain, which is a variation of leprosy. And leprosy is this inability to feel pain. That because you can't feel pain, you just make yourself susceptible to hurt. There's some of you that are victims and you've numbed yourself so much to pain that you put yourself in vulnerable places. Man, there's the drug addict that they put themselves in such a vulnerable place. And man, how many drug addicts know they don't want to be there, but they're so numb to the pain that they go right back to it. They're so numb to what is going on. And I know you and I are sitting here like, why would you do that? You're probably like me saying, what is in your mind that makes you go back to that? Why do you keep putting yourself in that situation? I I hate to tell you that I've talked to so many young girls that have future, but they put themselves in wrong relationship. They've moved in with guys who just take advantage of them because they didn't have a father to love them in their home. And I understand that. And they're so broken. They put themselves in places and men take advantage of them. And they go from relationship to place. And he says, I'm sorry, come back. I won't do it again. He's high on drugs. He abuses. I'm sorry, I won't come back. And I say, why are you going? Get away. You can't stay there. And she says, but I don't know how to live anywhere else. He loves me. No, he doesn't. My mind can't even comprehend how they would allow that. Some of you here today and you say, I know that person. I know what that is. Some of you, that victim, you know what it's like. 
And you're so numb to pain that you put yourself in places of hurt. You put yourself in disappointment. You allow that, that, that vulnerability to just be stripped away and taken advantage of. I can easily sit here and say, man, what's wrong with those drug addicts? I can sit here and judge and say, man, why don't they get a job? Why don't they just get their act together? Why don't they stop doing what they're doing? Because a job isn't going to fix their issue. Another relationship isn't going to make them any better. Going from one thing to the next, we can try and subdue it, but church, you can't subdue the crazy naked man running in the, in the place of dead people cutting himself. The only thing that can happen is Jesus needs to show up at the catacombs. Jesus needs to show up at the place of hurt. We don't need another program. I, I want to see us do things. But it's not a program that's going to save people. It's when people start saying, hey, I'm tired of being numb. I want God to allow the pain. And some of you need to learn how to go through pain. It hurts to heal. Yep. But it kills to stay the same. It hurts to heal, but it kills to stay the same. Your marriage, it hurts to heal. It hurts. You've compressed some things. You've just tolerated the chaos. You've tolerated the way that you act, the way that you respond, the way that you, you treat, the way that you do, whether whatever chaos you're in, you've tolerated. And when you've tolerated, you've allowed a compression. There have been a few times, me sitting on the front row here, while someone is taking up the offering and I sit there and getting ready to preach and at sometimes in a relaxed state or position, I realize that as I've crossed my legs and I realize it's time to get up on stage to preach, that my leg has fallen asleep. And I pray, hey, sing another song or something, because right now, <laughs> if I come walking up, <laughs> you know what it's like when your foot falls asleep? But when you allow that compression, here's what happens. When the compression sits long enough, I'm not a scientist, but I read this on Google, on the Google. That's what they would tell me to say. That when your nerves are compressed, the nerves no longer are feeling sensation, but added to that, the blood flow begins to decrease. And because the blood flow decreases to that area, it's now compressed, there's an inability to move. Here's what happens. It creates numbness. What is numbness? Numbness is simply this, being insensitive or no longer having sensitivity or having an ability to move. Now, if you're the victim, have you become so numb to, so numb to the pain that you're allowing hurt and you need to take someone's hand? If you're the onlooker, have you become so numb to what's going on around you that you become a church that's not able to move and go to the place of brokenness? Because it's easier to judge why people shouldn't be where they are instead of reaching out and getting into their world. Listen, here at Faith Assembly, we're gonna love you before we judge you. In fact, we're gonna love you so much we won't even have time to judge you because the love of God is able to change everything about you. It's not our job to judge you. It's only our job to love you. But what we tend to do is we judge, is this person worthy of our love? Are they, you know that, are they really serious? I don't know if they're serious about getting help. I don't know if we can have, I don't know if we can help them. We gotta wait to see if they're serious about getting help. Then we'll give them help. Then we'll try to love them. Then we'll try, let's see if they're worth it first. 
Aren't you glad Jesus went to the cross before he knew we were worth it? Before he knew we wouldn't, when they're done sinning, then I'll die. When they're really serious about it, then I'll give my life. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God that he said, no, I'll just show up. I'll just show up. Have we become so numb that we've lost the inability? Here's the blood flow, and here's what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today. You've tolerated some stuff in your life, and you've become numb to the presence of God. You become so numb to the presence of God that you need something to stir you all the time. Or you become so numb to the presence of God that God is really, Jesus, is really an afterthought. And this Jesus thing, what's compressing you, some of you, what's compressing you is even the good stuff you're doing for Jesus. Think how weird that is, that you can get so good at doing good stuff for Jesus that you're so focused and pressured and pressed on doing good stuff for Jesus that you don't know how to feel his presence, how to be in his presence, how to just allow him to walk with you. That your quiet time with Jesus isn't any quiet time because you always gotta have something going on. You don't know how to be quiet in the presence of God. You don't know how, how to let God speak to you. You don't know how to just wait in the presence of God. Why? Because you say, well, at least I'm not naked running around in the graveyard. But you're tolerating chaos that's pressing on your nerves and affecting the blood flow. Hello, the blood of Jesus wants to flow into you. That if it doesn't flow into you, then you don't have anything to give to a world that's hurting. If the blood of Jesus doesn't flow into your limbs and into this body, church, we have nothing to give a hurting and broken world if the blood of Jesus does not flow through us. If we do not allow, maybe for some of us, you need to take off the pressure. You need to take off the pressure. Some of you need to get out of your chaos. If you're the victim, you need to get out of chaos. Here's what the Bible says. He's a father to the fatherless, and he's a a defender of the widow. This is God whose dwelling is holy. Notice what he says. My dwelling is holy. Hey, come to my house. Leave your place. Come to my house. Come to where I live. Come spend time with me. Come to where I am. My place is set apart from your chaos. My place is set apart. Some of you, how many know what it's like? You don't know how to look at life differently because you've just always seen it the same way. The same way, the same way. Talk to someone who went to another country and all of a sudden they see life different because they saw it from another perspective. How many have ever gone to another country and now you've gotten a different perspective because you saw something different? You saw a different way. Some of us that are victims are so used to the way life is that you've got to allow God to get you out of that and see life in a different light. So here's my hand today. I'm saying to someone, I don't care if you're the person saying, hey, I'm so numb, I'm a victim. Or I'm so numb, I've lost the sensitivity to be moved by God. Those might be two different people, but they're affected by the same issue. You follow me? You might be so numb that your pain, you're just ignoring pain and it's killing you. Or you're so numb that you've just compressed your ability to sense the presence of God because the blood of Christ is not flowing freely in your life. But how many know that when the blood flows freely, where the blood flows, healing comes. Life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. So here's what I'm gonna say to you today. Some of you need to come to life. Some of you, today, I believe God would say to you, hey, it's time to come.